Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. So President Obama addressed the issue of ISIS, of having a foreign policy to address them, also what's going on in Ukraine. How was it received in Washington, D.C.? Let's ask the Weekly Standard, Stephen Hayes. Steve, thanks so much for your time. Hey, Michael. Good to be with you. So how was the president's... I, I, I'm hearing a lot of third time's the charm. He finally got all the elements together. Is that right? Yeah, look, I, th- I, I think he was better today um, than he has been in the past. But from my perspective, that was a pretty low bar. Um, you know, we'll see what he actually does. Um, there's a lot of talk about a coalition or a new coalition of the willing. Coalitions are fine, but what really matters is what the coalitions do, not the fact that they exist. And what is it that President Obama is suggesting that they do specifically? I mean, is he talking about getting a coalition of people who can put guys? I know we, for example, sent those 300 uh, troops to Iraq uh, recently with the specific uh, uh, guidance, do not let your boots touch the ground while you're there. You must wear booties at all times so that your boots never technically touch the ground. But is that what the plan? Someone in the coalition will go on the ground and we'll be in the air? It's unclear. I mean, it's very unclear. And, and, you know, I think the reason that it's unclear is because the White House just doesn't know. I mean, we've had sort of any number of suggestions from the White House about what they may or may not do. Um, and I don't think I don't think they have any idea. I think they're they're sort of making it up as they go along. They're trying to come up with some kind of a uh, trying to come up with a plan. And uh, I don't think they I don't think they have one. You know, a lot of people are looking at events around the world, and they're watching uh, al-Qaeda guys swimming in our pool and at the uh, embassy in Libya. They're looking at uh, you know ISIS controlling about half of Iraq and huge chunks of Syria and Americans being beheaded in alerts from Mike Rogers that we, you know, this is, you know, the, the most frightening level of chatter, et cetera, that they've heard. And then they remember that President Obama told us we had al-Qaeda on the run, where they just running to go get more knives with which to cut off our heads? Where, where, what happened to al-Qaeda on the run? Well, I mean, I, th- I think al-Qaeda was never on the, on the run. And there's considerable evidence that many of the intelligence community didn't believe that al-Qaeda uh, was on the run. And we've got a new story in the Weekly Standard this week that gets into to some of that reporting um, based on uh, a DIA, a defense intelligence agency and CENTCOM team that uh, spent some time combing through the documents that were captured during the, the raid that killed Osama bin Laden on May 22nd, 2011. And what I think we can take from their analysis of those documents, and they only got through roughly 10%, a full exploitation of 10% of more than a million documents. But what those documents suggest is that al-Qaeda was never on the run, that uh, they were changing, they were adapting, they were retooling, um, they were altering their course based on uh, the way that the United States was fighting. Um, But you have senior defense intelligence agency officials who told me uh, for this story, we were telling the administration that they weren't on on the run, and the administration just wouldn't listen. But now that the truth is... I mean, you can't hide it anymore. You know what I mean? There's a certain point where when you're watching entire cities fall. I mean, we couldn't if someone had said in 2003, even Stephen Hayes, oh, you've got to watch out for Al-Qaeda, the Taliban. They're going to be taking cities. We would have said, no, they, they can't even do that. That's not what they can do. They don't have those capacities. Now that cities have fallen to ISIS, are people now willing to admit that we have mishandled the approach this whole time, or, or is it all revisionist history? We did the best we could possibly do, and this problem was never solvable. Well, I think it depends who you're talking about. I mean, there's no question that the American public 
sees the failure and sees it as a failure. I mean, sees what's happening as a failure of policy. I mean, there were specific and distinct policy choices that this president made, approaches that he took to the war on terror, to al-Qaeda broadly, to the al-Qaeda core, to the war in Iraq. And I don't think there's really much dispute that those failed uh, when you look at them collectively. Now, if you talk to the president and his administration, they will say, no, 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 no. This is a new threat. It grew out of uh, uh, the 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 uh, al-Qaeda in Iraq and the, right. the, the fact that that group fell apart. Steve, my favorite um, thing is when people is say it's because, my favorite, Steve, is when people say it's Bush. Bush created ISIS because he invaded Iraq, and that's what caused ISIS. <laughs> I love that argument. Yeah, I think that's obviously a, a pretty silly argument. Um, but, you know, when you don't have good arguments, you make whatever arguments you have. And I think that's what we're seeing in that case. Uh, let me talk a little bit about Ukraine because the president addressed it today and, um, uh, you know, essentially is back to his arguing you simply can't go around invading countries in the 21st century, which, of course, uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> Are we going to see more muscular action there or is it going to be uh, this game of hot potato back between us and our European allies? <laughs> I mean, if you send me to Las Vegas, and give me a thousand dollars and tell me to put, you know, some percentage on more muscular action and uh, some other percentage on very little muscular action, but maybe some tougher talk. I'm putting pretty much all of it on the tougher talk uh, side of the ledger. Um, we'll we'll see. I I don't think the president has shown any willingness whatsoever from the beginning of this crisis in Ukraine to actually confront Vladimir Putin. I think Vladimir Putin knows that, and I think it's why we've seen him behave the way that he's behaved. Um, you know, the president, even after Putin invaded and annexed Crimea, the Crimean Peninsula, you had the president of the United States talking about Putin needing an uh, an off ramp. Well, he didn't want an off ramp. He wanted to keep driving. This is the the president is still it's saying that the annexation of the president still saying that the annexation of Crimea won't stand. I'm just like, what? what? It's it's standing right now. I'm watching it. Look at it stand. Did he really exactly. say in the presser today, Stephen, that the reason why there is a uh, uh, you know uh, uh, ceasefire right now is because of European you know and allied sanctions as opposed to because the Ukrainians begged the Russians, please stop shooting at us. We'll sit and talk. Yeah, I think the president is very eager to have people believe that the measures he's taken have had some effect. I mean, usually when President Obama talks about the sanctions, he talks about the input. He talks about what is what the United States has done and the fact that that has caused or has the potential to cause damage to the Russian economy, to friends of Vladimir Putin, whatnot. But, of course, what really matters is outputs. It's the change of behavior on the part of right. Russia. Now, is the willingness to sign some kind of a ceasefire a real indication of a longer-term change of behavior? I am deeply skeptical of that. There's very little reason that Vladimir Putin would change behavior. And certainly, I think the sanctions, the, the limited sanctions that we've seen that are not sectoral sanctions, um, that are not deep, um, wouldn't be enough to get him to change his behavior. Uh, one last thing, Steve Hayes. I'm a South Carolina Gamecocks fan, so I obviously was crushed last week by their horrifying play in the home opener against Texas A&M, and I thought they were terrible. Then I watched Green Bay and Seattle last night, and I thought, finally, a team that the South Carolina Gamecocks can beat, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, wow. Wow. You had to go there, didn't you? Can we get them together? Because I need a win. My team needs a win. 
Well, look, I mean, they played Seattle. They played in Seattle, <laughs> reigning Super Bowl champs, defending defending champs, uh, and the Packers just didn't have it together. Uh, and I think there are real concerns about the defense. But for 49ers fans, uh, I think this has to be even more worrisome, right? The Seahawks not only look as good as they were last year right. on offense, certainly with the addition of Percy Harvin, they look better than they were last year. And that should be troubling to everybody in the NFL and in the NFC in particular. Steve Hayes with the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for your time. Anytime, Michael. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.